Our text, our sermon this, this afternoon is Godly Courage. <clears throat> and uh, if you'd like, turn with me to Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, and we'll read the first six verses. <clears throat> you know, when I think about courage, I think we probably all have different ideas of what courage is. <clears throat> and uh, I mentioned some, some of our family history and some of the things that's, that uh, we talked about this morning. You know, when I was a young boy, and I always start this lesson off this way, uh, my cousin Ellen's with us here today. Now, she may not know this individual, but I had a cousin on my dad's side. And uh, when I was a young man, I kind of idolized him because he was a guy that would jump out of airplanes. Uh, he would climb mountains. He would scuba dive. And, and I thought, man, that was pretty impressive. And uh, even, even thought one time I might want to jump out of an airplane, but then I thought better of it, so... <laughs> but you know that's and I'm not taking anything away from that there certainly that takes a degree of courage those those type of things certainly take some courage to do those things but the courage I want to talk about this afternoon is godly courage and what I mean by that and some of you know people that's done this but you know when when a person learns the truth maybe they've been brought up in the with, in the Jehovah Witness religion or some other denominational religion or whatever it may be. And, you know, they have to make a decision. Am I going to, you know, offend my family? Uh, and sometimes that family will disown you. Sometimes they'll disown people that you're related to, people that you love. But do you have the courage to make that kind of decision? You know, when I was growing up, playing Little League Baseball, we never, we never practiced on Wednesdays. We never had games on Wednesdays. Well, that's not, that's not true today. The courage I'm talking about is the kind of courage it takes to say to your children and to the coaches that are there that are, that are doing those type of things is, you know, my son or my daughter, we won't be participating on Wednesdays. Courage it takes for, you know, when you have a child who wants to play soccer, and they want to have soccer games on Sunday morning. You know, it takes courage. It takes godly courage to say, you know, we want to play soccer. My son or my daughter wants to play soccer. But we're not playing on Sunday morning. And that's what I'm talking about when, it talks about when I want to talk about godly courage. You know, a lot of things that happen in our world today have happened because each of us, all of us, and, and maybe I shouldn't say that, maybe there's some who who have stood up and, and not let that happen. But, but too many of us have sat back and said, okay, that's the way you want to do it. You're going to practice on Wednesdays. You're going to have games on Wednesdays. You're going to practice on Sundays. Unfortunately, people said, well, I want my kid to play. Uh, uh, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to keep them from this. And we've made really poor decisions, and it's affected our churches, and it's affected us as, as Christians as well. And... But here in Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, I want to read the, the first six verses here. <clears throat> and Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said to them, I'm 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee. And thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee. And the Lord has said, 
And the Lord shall do unto them as he did unto Sion and to Og, the kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with them, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. You know, I like that particular, of course I like all the scriptures, but in that sixth verse, you know, he it is, the Lord thy God, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. When I think about how, how do we build and how do we promote godly courage in our families and in our, in our congregations, one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is that we recognize, or that we should recognize, that it's not about us. It's about God. It's He that will go before us. It's He that will not forsake us. And it's He that will not fail us. You know, I think back in the days of Moses, and I want to share with you what I, I read this, I don't know where, but the statement was made that the difference between fear and courage is direction. And what's meant by that is if we look back at the example of the spies that Moses sent out to the spy out the land of Canaan. You know, 10 of those guys come back and they said there's giants in the land. They said the walls are, are big. That we're going to look like grasshoppers in the sight of uh, these uh, other people. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said we can take this land. You know, the difference was that 10 of those had fear. They feared all the other things that they felt like they couldn't overcome. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had courage. They recognized that God was with them and that they could do it. So the difference between fear and, and courage, oftentimes is direction. Fear causes us to move backward. It causes digression. It causes us to be stifled. It causes, it, it, it lacks progress. But courage is just the opposite. Courage moves us forward. We gain progress when we have courage. So when we think about how do we build and promote godly courage, first of all, recognize it's not about us. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, if you'd like to turn over to Exodus, the third chapter, I want to think about Moses for a minute. We, we, we know that Moses was... Chosen by God to go and to set the Israelites free. You know, Moses had some, had some fear. Great, as, great man as he was, great the things that we read about him. When God called upon Moses in Exodus, uh, the third chapter, <clears throat> and God is telling Moses he wants him to go to the Pharaoh and say to him to let my people go. <clears throat> Moses says in the third chapter and eleventh verse, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses, the first thing he does is begin to offer excuses. One excuse is not enough. One excuse is not acceptable. He offers a second one, and so on and so forth. Moses says in Exodus uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, And Moses answered and said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. And then he says he's slow of speech also. He said, uh, you know, he just begins to offer reasons, different reasons why 
he doesn't feel like the Pharaoh will hear him. He doesn't feel like he'll be successful. I want to, I've used this statement many times, and I believe it's true. You know the thing that Moses failed to recognize and the thing that we often fail to recognize ourselves is God has never wanted a single one of us for our ability. God has never chosen any one of us because we have some great ability. God does not desire nor want your ability. What he does desire is your availability. You know, we will avail ourselves, and that's what Moses finally had to recognize. It wasn't about him, and it wasn't about any abilities or disabilities that Moses had. It was about whether or not Moses would avail himself, that he would let God use him. Would Moses let or God be let God use him as the instrument that he wanted to be, that God wanted him to be. And of course, uh, we recognize that Moses, you know, he, he did a, one, a lot of great things and of course ultimately was not allowed to see the promised land, but then Joshua came in and led those Israelites into the promised land. You know, another thing we can do to promote godly uh, courage is that we recognize and that, and that we be careful in our speech. I want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 28. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 28. Scripture says, Whether shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. And the cities are great and walled up to the heavens. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. You know, in this verse, it says that they discourage the brethren. And then it says how they discourage them. The next word says they discourage them saying. It's what they told them. You know, we need to be careful about what we say. And careful about who we listen to. Careful about how we say the things that we say. I want to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 28. We talked about David this morning, and we're going to look at another thing here about David. In the 17th chapter, and of course this is one of David's greatest accomplishments when he faces Goliath. But David, you know, in, in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and looking down in verse 11 there, he says, when Saul and all Israel heard that those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So, you know, here these people are, you know, they're listening to uh, the Philistines and, the, and to Goliath and the challenges, and they, they're fearful of the things that are being said. Then we go down uh, in the 28th verse of this same chapter, and it says, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You know, this is David's brothers. David had been asked to go and to, and to uh, leave the sheep and, and, and see how the brethren, his brothers were doing. But you know, the brothers began to accuse him of coming down. Uh, they, they falsely accused him. They said, well, you didn't come down here for any other reason, but you're just kind of being nosy. You want to see what's going on. Then in the 37th verse, 1 Samuel 17, verse 30, 
7. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You know, there's different things that are being said here. Some of those things are, are said falsely. They're false accusations. They're, they're things that are not promoting godly courage. They're things that would promote fear. The other, there are many there who are very fearful about things that are happening. They begin to tell that David is there, but just because he wants to kind of be a nosy, no, uh, a nosy person, just see what's happening. But then we find it in verse 43. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You know, here's, here's this big giant, and he's, you know, he's really ridiculing David. You know, sometimes we are guilty of, of doing some of the thing, same things to people. We discourage people by what we say. We discourage people by saying, you can't do this, or you can't do that, or, or this, we can't do this, or we can't do that. You know, we have business meetings in, con in congregations, and, and, and something is said that we want to accomplish. And the first thing that happens is people begin to you hear these naysayers. Well, you can't do that. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the time. We don't have the effort. We don't have the abilities. You know, what we ought to be saying is we recognize that there are some challenges that we have to overcome. But we can do these things if we want to do them bad enough, if there are things that are that important to us. I have a little bulletin that I've got, on, a little saying that I've got on the the bulletin board at our congregation it says that if it's important to you you'll find a way if it's not important you'll find an excuse and I believe that's a very true saying and you know when we talk with people and we begin to tell them they can't do things and I recognize that there are times when we have to be realistic and we have to we have to weigh the cost we have to weigh uh, the problems and all, all these things the reality is whether we're talking, uh, uh, you know, whether we're talking about uh, some secular job, whether we're talking about something in our schools, our colleges, or we're talking about something in our congregations, if our desire is there, if our desire is strong enough and the Lord is with us, you know, there's really not much of anything we can't do. We just have to decide how bad we want to do it. And so discouraging, you know, when we look at... Uh, building godly courage, we need to be careful about our speech. You know, if you are brought up, and, you know, I've seen people, and, you know, they were brought up in homes where all they ever heard was that they, they were basically taught that they weren't worth anything. They were taught that they couldn't do anything right, that uh, they failed at everything they did. You know, if that happens to an individual, it's going to be very hard for that person to overcome that type of mentality that type of speech, that type of rhetoric. But it can be done. Be careful about our speech. You know, the third thing I want to talk about in a way to promote godly courage is positive ways to build godly courage in ourselves and others. And Again, it's, it's about our ability to speak to one another, our ability to listen to one another. I'd like to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. 
In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, these are, again, I know familiar readings to us, but Scripture says, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You know, I want to focus on that bring them up. You know, I've been very blessed. I have very wonderful children and grandchildren. Uh, but I look back sometimes and I think, well, you know, there's things that, that we could have done. And certainly there are things that we could have done that, that, that maybe would have been better. And maybe we would have, you know, uh, I, I'm very thankful for my family. I mentioned that this morning. But this idea of bring them up, Kyle, you'll, you'll like this story because, uh, and some of you may know, you know, years ago, I, I worked with a guy in the pest control business. And, uh, you know, when I went to work for him, he had these trucks, and they had, they had the hose reels on them. We had 300 foot of hose on there, and, and you would crank these hoses up, and that's the way you reeled the hoses up. One day, he bought new trucks, and, and uh, he came back when there's 300 foot of hose in the bed of the truck, but it, there was no hose reel. I said, well, how are we going to roll this hose up? He said, you're going to train it. Said, what do you mean train it? He said, well, when you go out there every day and hour after hour and you roll that hose up, eventually that hose is going to fall into place. You know, he was right. Now, later on, I know Ty's got some trucks now that he's got electric. He's gotten a little lazy on us. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, now he'll tell you, he, I think Ty says he doesn't use those. He doesn't get to use that. He get his other guys use it. But, but you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's not about what we do one Sunday. It's not about what we do once a month or, or when we go to a gospel meeting. Or, or when we, it's about what we do every day. It's about what we practice every day. It's not about bringing a child to church. You know, our children should never, ever wake up in the mornings on Sunday morning and say, are oh, we going to church? It ought to be automatic. It ought to be something that, that's instinctive. There, there's no question about where we're going. They know where we're going because that's what they do. It's because of what they've been taught. It's what we've practiced. Not one Sunday. And not, you know, another thing that happens is in our speech, a lot of times we, we will tell our children how important church is to us and how important it is to be in, our, in, in the assembly. And then something comes up in our life that we... Decide, well, you know what? I'm going to do this. You know, I'm just going to miss this one Sunday. And then it's, you know, then how do you tell your child that wants to play baseball on Sunday morning, well, you can't do that because you're going to miss church, but yet you've missed church for some other reason that you felt were just were important. It's about that bring them up, train them, nurture them, bring them up in the admonition of the Lord, nurture and admonition of the Lord. Start early. And then I want to look also in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 29 through 32. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking of be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as, as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You know what I think uh, about our congregation at home, and I'm sure this is probably true everywhere, I'm sure for those that hold the office of elders, you know the greatest thing that our congregations can do for us? Love one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. You can't do anything that's going to promote a better uh, atmosphere in a congregation than to love one another, be kind to one another, speak good things about one another, and to put away all evil speaking. You know, I hope that we all want to build godly courage in ourselves, in our homes, and in our churches. And the Bible has told us how to do that. You know, again, let's recognize that it's not about us. God doesn't need our ability. You know, the Bible tells us that, you know, when, when the, the God could cause, cause the rocks to cry out. God could use any number of things that he has the ability to do. And, you know, it doesn't, have to, it's not, it doesn't have to be about us, and it's not about us. Doesn't have to be, it's not about our ability, it's about how willing we are to avail ourselves to God. We need to be careful about our speech and what we say to others. And, you know, and I recognize there's times when we have to be direct. When there's a sin issue or when there's a problem, sometimes you have to go and address that. And, and we have to do it. The Bible says that, you know, if one be overtaken in a fault, you work your spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness lest thou find thyselves also to be tempted. You know, I heard an, another statement once, and I like this statement that says that your life is made up of vision and labor. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. You know, if you, if you have desires, whether we're talking about desires in, in the secular world or desires in, in the Christian world, desires in the church, if you have a desire to accomplish something, really what sets us or what holds us back or moves us forward is our labor, how much willing that we're, how much labor we're willing to put forth. Life is, is made up of vision and labor. If we want to accomplish something in our congregations, we have the vision, and then we ask how much labor are we willing to put forth. You know, if you want to uh, do home Bible studies with people, you have a vision, how much labor are you willing to put forth? You know, we talk about developing elders and deacons and evangelists, and wives of those elders and deacons and evangelists. Again, it's how much vision you have and how much labor you're willing to put forth. 